Welcome to Boss Man Show with special guest, Desmond Mead, the president and executive director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, the FRC, down in Florida. Mr. Mead, let's talk to you today. How's life going for you this great Friday here today? Well, well, first of all, man, what's up, Boss Man? Uh, definitely a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, and, and let me tell you, things are, are are happening down here in Florida, and uh, I'm 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 grateful to be a part of, of a movement, man, that is aimed towards really shifting a lot of conditions in our communities, in this country, and empowering people who have traditionally been left out of the equation. And Mr. Mead, you all pushed for to get Amendment 4 passed down in Florida and to get returned citizens their right to vote. And this past election is your, your first time able, being able to vote yourself. So tell me, how is that for you, knowing that all the work you put forward in Amendment 4 and you actually got the Amway Center and go actually cast your vote for the first time in your life there? Man, let me tell you, I, I you know, I have competing emotions, man, because um, for, for on one side, you have my experience, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I also got to point out that there's another competing uh, piece here because you know, uh, in Georgia, y'all just went through the uh, um, uh, uh, elections in, in January, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the runoffs, there were so many stories that came out of Georgia, returning citizens in Georgia, they got to vote, right, for their first time. And, and many of them uh, was able to get the inspiration from the work we did here in Florida, right? And, and so when I get to see, you know, uh, uh, returning citizens across the country, you know, in, in other states that are participating and being a part of that process, man, that's huge, man. You know, and, and it competes with my personal experience because I can tell you, I got into this work not to make it better for me. I got it into this work to make it better for other folks, right? It was always other people that I, I, I just put at the top of the list and, and so to see the impact that we have across the country was huge. But let me tell you about my personal experience, man. Let me tell you, uh, uh, August of 2020 in our primary elections, uh, I, I got to vote for the first time in over 30 years. The last time I had voted before that was when I was uh, just graduated high school. I just got my voter registration card and I walked a few blocks from my house and I went to vote and I didn't understand the significance of what I was doing. It was not, you know, it wasn't that that important for me. And so years after that, I didn't vote. And then finally, when I did get a felony conviction, I couldn't vote even if I wanted to vote, right? And so it wasn't until I got involved in, 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 in the work uh, back in 2006 that I really started appreciating uh, the importance of, of being able to vote and even then, even working from 2006 all the way up to 2020, I still didn't fully grasp that impact of being able to cast that ballot until I walked, I was walking up to the voting location. And I remember when I, as I was walking, I started thinking that I was actually walking for that moment symbolically on hollowed ground. Right, because my mind went back to my ancestors, man. Oh yes, who were they were beaten, they were burned, they were hung on trees, they were just outright murdered to prevent them from number one registering to vote, and then number two, so actually voting. So we had our ancestors, and I and I I can't stress this enough, man. You know, even in the face of the voter suppression that we're facing today, right? We had our ancestors that faced almost certain death just to register to vote. Oh, yes. And then they had to choose, if they got lucky enough to get through the gauntlet, they had to do it again just to go and vote, right? And, you know, just to put it in perspective, today we can register to vote in the comfort of our own homes in yes, many sir. states, and we could mail in the ballot, right? And so, but as I was walking up, uh, uh, to the voting location. I thought about all of those sacrifices being made, blood being shed for democracy. And, and I thought about all the work that the volunteers put in the past amendment for. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm walking on hollow ground. And I got in there, man. And they gave me my, my, my ballot. And I went into that booth and that booth was big enough for just me. 
actually me and God, you know? Yes, sir. And as I was, you know, choosing my candidates, I realized that I was engaging in a sacred act. And how that act that I was engaging in by voting actually transcended partisan politics. It transcended the racial biases. When I was there engaging in this act of voting, I wasn't voting as a Democrat or Republican or Black. Or I was voting as a human being. And, and yes. the act of voting took me to a place that said something so simple. It said that I am. But that was the most powerful thing it could have said. It, it almost like it validated my existence as a human being within a society and that my voice mattered and it made a difference. And that I had a role to play in impacting how my society is governed, right? Yes, sir. That was huge. That was huge, man. Yes, sir. And after all these years of work, and finally you get to actually see the fruits of your, your, of your labor, after all those years of work, I watched the video and how happy you were, that the joy you had as you broke it down here. Like, I'm happy for you because I understand that returned citizens are treated like, like second class citizens, like you paid it to society. Let them have their rights again. Like, they count return guys in prison as part of the census, but when they get out, <laughs> they can't vote or they won't let them vote inside. But oh, you kind of as part of the, the, the census population to get money, you know? Yep. So that's another and story for another day. Taxes. <laughs> and you take out taxes, right? Whatever happened to that, with, with, with that rallying cry at the Boston Tea Party, there should be no taxation without representation. Yes. And, you know, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's just so much, you know, and, and we have, you know, and it, it gets a little complex because, it's been part of that narrative, man, that, that, that said that we're not worthy, right? That we're not worthy because we committed a crime or actually because we got caught, right? Because that, that, that's the difference between me and 90% and, and of people in this country. I'm going to tell you that right now because we've all done. To, let, matter of fact, let me back up for a minute. In Florida, right? Now, boss, man, you have been to Florida. Yes, right? I have many times. things say. You come to you come to uh, 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 Florida on vacation, you probably end up leaving on probation, right? Yes. Because listen, in Florida, it's a felony offense if you drive with a suspended license. If you you're on the beach, you disturb turtle nesting eggs, that's a felony. You go lobster hunt, you catch a lobster tail too short, that's a felony. You tre you 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 walking from the hotel. To, to to Wendy's and you and rather than going a long way, you cross this construction site, trespassing on the construction site, felony. And, and one of my favorites was this brother. Um uh well I'm I'm gonna say this man. He uh for Valentine's Day, right, you know, rather than give his his girl a dozen roses, what he did was get 12 red balloons and he released them in the air. That's a felony offense in Florida. Wow. So you go into these like memorials with the white balloons and you want to release the white balloons in the air. Or, you know, you got the balloons like happy birthday or congrats grad. And, you know, that's a felony offense in the state of Florida. Wow. And so, you know, to, 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 to think that something as simple as releasing balloons in the air, right, or burning a tire in public or driving with a suspended license, would cause you to lose the right to vote for the rest of your life, right? It said that you don't matter, your voice don't count, right? And when you have over-policing, particularly in the African-American community, yes, that sir. means that there's a significant impact in those African-American communities that diminishes the political capital there. Therefore, politicians don't have to deal with those situations. Now, listen, I don't know how controversial you get on your show, right? Very, I'm going to keep it real. Very. Right? <laughs> That's one of the reasons why when we've seen even when President Barack Obama, when he was elected, right, and you remember they had the shooting in Connecticut, right, where all of the- Sandy the, Hook, the, yes. Sandy Hook, right, right? And so we're thinking, oh, you know, that, okay, he's going to address this gun violence thing, right? But he didn't do it in a way that actually addressed the gun violence that we experience in urban communities, 
right? Right. And 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 I remember there were some pastors and that went up to the White House, and at that time Biden was the um, uh, uh, a vice president. And these pastors being told that there's not enough political capital in the communities to raise those issues, right? Wow. And, and, and that's being real. And, and, and even uh, uh, when, when President Obama, when he won his uh, second term, I went to that inauguration. I heard the speech and I was there. And I remember with, being with brothers from all over, whether from Georgia or from uh, Illinois and, and Philly or whatever, and we were like excited because he started talking about LGBTQ rights. You know, he started, to, I mean, he was going there and we just knew he was going to lift us up. Right. And it was so disappointing because that, that time he took the oath swearing on the Bible of Martin Luther King Jr. Right. But it goes back to not having the political capital. Therefore it was not politically expedient to even mm. lift those issues up. Oh, yeah. And so this thing that we did with Amendment 4 was the pathway to reverse that trend and to increase political capital in our communities, which now makes us a significant factor, right, in any election, whether, and it's not just presidential, and we got state attorney of DA races, local sheriff races, school judicial board. races, school boards, that now they just cannot, no, they can no longer just uh, 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 blatantly ignore the cries from the African-American community and the fight for reenfranchising people who've been impacted by the criminal justice system is the thing that will take us over the top. And Mr. Me, there's these laws I'm hearing to me sound like vote suppression, if you ask me. They're on the books to suppress the votes because we're going to say they're more likely to commit these, these type of crimes so they'll keep them off the road so we can do what we want to do. Well, you know, the, the, the history basically, and, and I think, you know, you know, we could, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the, the, the advocacy around voter suppression. Right. But I do think that I think we minimize the argument when we limit it to voter suppression. I think it's, it's bigger than that. It's a blatant attack against democracy. Right. Yes. So when we, we go back to the, the roots you know, we've seen these type of laws. Uh, we've seen the emergence of these laws after the slaves were emancipated, right? And and so, you know, when you have that slave owner in, in Georgia, right, that, that on that plantation with 200 slaves, right, and there's only 10 family members there, um, and all of a sudden those 200 slaves got the right to vote and they, they, they're supposed to be equal to you, and you see those slaves actually use the right to vote. And all of a sudden, people, uh, uh, former slaves are being elected into Congress and in commissions and becoming sheriffs or mayors or whatever, right? That's a scary thought to those 10 people who knew for decades they've been abusing those very same people that now have power over them. And so, you know, they, they had to employ some type of strategy to strip those people of the right to vote and so while it, you know in some places you you would get you lose the right to vote for hitting your wife you wouldn't lose the right to vote for killing your wife right mm -hmm. because the 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 laws that they were choosing to disenfranchise you with were laws that they would think or or offenses that they would think that the newly freed slaves would be more prone to committing right and so you, you, you've seen the system that was set up to where uh, if vagrancy, right, if you get caught with vagrancy, if you don't have a good jo a job or whatever, that now you can get arrested, you can get convicted, you can get thrown into jail. And then what, why you in, so you're going to lose your right to vote. So you, you will have no more say in that. And now while you in jail, now I can outsource you as prison labor right back into the same fields that you was just liberated from. Right. And, it, you know, and so it's all a part of this big process. And then the other piece is how do I erect other barriers? Say, okay, well, you've got to, you've got to pay poll taxes unless, you know, you can show this or that, which a slave that uh, a person that's recently been emancipated would not be able to show or literacy tests which you know that you made it a crime to teach the slave to read. Exactly. Right. And so you, you, and then even if 
that don't work, right? Because we are a resilient people, right? Uh, even if, and if that don't work, then we use state sanctioned violence to intimidate you, right? And we know that the state sanctioned violence was, and you talk about the KKK, you know, all of that came out of the slave patrols, right? Which, you know, we know that that has evolved into law enforcement, now the police department, yes, right? And so all of that, you see prevalent because I mean, even as, 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 uh, as you know, recent as I know, I know that there are other incidents, but the ones that I can speak of is in Ferguson when police officers were patrolling voting locations, looking for people with outstanding warrants or something like that. Right. So intimidating people from going to the polls. And so that it's all that part of that process. And at the end of the day, you know, yeah, we could say voter suppression, but what I believe is more is bigger than that. It is really a, a blatant attack against democracy, right? Yes, it's a blatant attack against democracy, and it's a bunch. It's it's a handful of people that want to control who gets to vote, or who gets to decide who leads their communities or the country, and hey, that's not what democracy is all about. And it's a shame for Mr. Media. In Georgia now, do the SB two hundred two, giving someone some water or food is now <laughs> illegal. You know we have some people sitting in line for eight nine hours. I know in the primary in June it was a rainy day here, Mister Mead. It was raining, humidity here in Atlanta, Georgia. People standing in line for hours, and but and the machines didn't work in Fulton and DeKalb County. I wonder why, but they worked in Cobb and Gwinnett County and Douglas County. I wonder why. So <laughs> it's so obvious what they're doing. Yeah. We just have to keep fighting against it, organizing and mobilizing against yeah. it and try to get our people engaged and inspired to overcome as our people. I've always done in our life, Mr. Mead, overcome. Yeah, we, listen, we got the numbers, man. You know, um, at the end of the day, you know, I never forget. I, I think it's one of the things that they used to say at the NACP, and you don't hear much of it now. But the piece that said, "We the uh, willing, led by the unknown, are uh, doing the impossible for the ungrateful." We've done so much for so long with so little. We're not qualified to do anything with nothing, right? And so, you know, when I, I tell folks that these uh, laws that we're seeing are designed to pick people off on the fringes, right? And so, how do you? respond to suppression well to me i'm a former military guy whenever you get an ambush there's only one way that you have to survive that ambush if you try to run away from it you're gonna get gunned down if you freeze you're gonna get gunned down the only hope you have of surviving an ambush is by attacking the ambush and so if you it, 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 we how we respond to suppression is with aggression if you're going to implement these laws to pick people off at the fringes, all right? So you got this law that's going to knock off 100 voters in my county. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go register 1,000 voters and I'm going to have them come and turn out, right? Yes, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, and so we just have to keep pushing, bro. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's only a handful of people, right? It's only a handful of people. And we speak loudest with our votes, Yes, with our votes. You know, I, I tell folks that when you walk into that voting booth, you have just as much power as the richest person in the world. That's the one equalizer that you can find in this in this world. You got just as much power as the president of the United States. One man, one vote. And so we just have to utilize it. And when we look at the data, man, our number tells us that we have more than enough to overcome the things that we need to overcome. And Mr. Me, I love when you had more than a vote help you all pay off the return citizens fees because that's another issue too. You, you get out of prison, you turn, you're turning back to your life, but you can't pay these outstanding fees. And to me, it's a modern day poll tax. You've already did your time, served your sentence. Now you're on top of that, make me pay all these fees back so I can't vote. So I, like you said, it's a, it's always an extra layer to prevent you from getting to have that sacred moment in that booth. But your organization and more than a vote party with you and others who donated Plants Coalition as well, helped you all pay your transitions fees to get them to have the vote in 2020 and beyond. Man, more than a vote was, uh, has been like a bomb organization to collab with, man. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, yeah, 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 they did that right. But let me tell you, right, the, you know, you know, 
they donated a specific amount of money to help people pay off fines and fees. And that's transformative in itself. But they lended, they brought more than just money to the table, right? Uh, that is, was just as impactful, if not more, right? Because you remember what I told you? There were some brothers in, 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 in Georgia that that was registered to vote and voted in the uh, runoff, mm-hmm. right? Because they seen what was happening in Florida. And a lot of them, how they seen it was through the collab with more than a vote, right? And so, you know, being able to work with Michael Vick, because, uh, you know, Michael Vick, he, he, well, he started his time in, 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 as a Hawk, right? A Falcon, wasn't it? Yes, it is. The Dirty Bird. Yes, indeed. And, um, you know, he, he lives in Florida now, and he, he couldn't vote. And so we were able to connect. You know, and I was I was personally able to walk Michael Vick through that process, and they decided they wanted to document that, right? And they put that out there about you know Michael Vick talking about what what voting meant to him, and what we were doing to you know fight for the uh, rights of returning citizens to vote. And there were people across the country that seen that and got inspired, and there were people that voted because of that, and those numbers far exceeded the amount of people that we were able to pay off fines and fees with the, with the money that more than the vote gave us. And so there is like so many ways, you know, that they, that they stood up, of course, players coalition, they did their thing too as well. Um, and, and, and so we, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think it was, we, we was able to show what happens when advocates, advocates and, and athletes can come together right, that we can do amazing things and it's not athletes just trying to think that they know what's up and do things on their own, right? It's actually athletes really connecting with grassroots organizations on the ground that's doing that work and saying, how can we be helpful, you know? And 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 that's a beautiful relationship that we enjoy even to this day. And we're looking to expand on it because there's still more people, bro. You know, we just got through celebrating Juneteenth, right? Last year we did vote teeth, right? And, and and here's the thing, right? Because the ironic thing was that in the Juneteenth story was that the slaves in Galveston didn't find out that they were emancipated until two years after, right? Yes. And so last year, 2020, uh, it was exactly two years after we passed Amendment 4. And there are still hundreds of thousands of returning citizens that don't even know Amendment 4 passed or much less what oh, wow. it is. There's, so there's hundreds of thousands of returning citizens that didn't even know they're free yet, right? And they've been free since 2018. But let's, let's expand this, boss man. There were people living in Georgia and other states that thought that they couldn't vote because they had a felony conviction. And there's still people like that. In Georgia, once you do your time, you can vote, right? And there's people that don't know that. And so, you know, when we able to work with uh, organizations like More Than a Vote or sports teams, you know, hopefully we get them hawks, you know, to do some things with us too as well. Oh, yes. Right? But when we're able to work with them, we're able to expand the message or amplify the message. And they to let people know that they're free. So every day is a Juneteenth for us, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Every day we let some folks, some brothers and sisters know, hey, brother, sister, you're free. You're actually free. And let me tell you, I've seen it time and time again, that moment that that person realized that they're free, how that weight is lifted off of them. I got to say it. I'm going to shut I know you got a question to ask. No, you're good. No, you're good. Let me hear this story. This brother got on on Facebook uh, uh, last election cycle, and he, this is what he said. He said, I got to admit to y'all. He was sitting in his car. He just got through voting. He said, I got to admit to y'all. All these years I've been watching y'all vote. I've actually been jealous of y'all. Wow. And I know, I know what he was feeling because it was so many of us that during the election, see, we'll play it off like, man, my vote, vote no kind. It don't matter. We'll play that stuff off like it don't bother us. But, man, let me tell you, man, being able to participate in an election, right, being able to vote, say that you're a part of something. And when you're not able to vote, you don't feel a part of. And I don't care who you are or how hard you think you are, you all, everybody want to be a part of something. Yes. Right? Everybody want to be a part of something. 
and, 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 and so this brother was like, yeah, all these years he was jealous. And, and, and he finally got the opportunity to vote. He's sitting in his car crying. I'm crying right along with him because you know, the thing was emotional, you oh, know? Yes. But to know, man, that I, I know the burden that people have been carrying and they probably just forgot about it. But the minute that somebody run up on them and say, brother, sister, you free, man. You can vote. I, that, that conviction you had 5, 10, 15 years ago, that can't hold you back on this, bro. Oh, yes. You can register to vote right now and you can choose who you want to run your community or whatever. And when they realize that, you actually see the weight lifted off of them and, and the tears in their eyes and you know, or the joy, you you see that. And so we got many brothers and sisters that still think that they're in a, a fellow disenfranchisement slavery. And we need to let them know that they've been emancipated. They've been emancipated. Most definitely. Speaking of sports, Mr. Mead, tell us about your latest super Stan Van Gundy. Um, he's a great dude. Coach Van Gundy's always been one to be, be, be for the us and our people and being out, going to prisons and again, teaching in prisons and helping and got behind your amendment for early. So tell us about the relationship with Coach Van Gundy. Wow, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. Coach Van Gundy, man, is, you know, to me, he's a beacon of hope, man. You know, sometimes in this society, you can get, you know, call the person get so jaded, man, you know especially when you talk about the white black thing and, 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 and white privilege and this and that, you know, and, and, and I mean, some of this rhetoric would have you scared to talk to white folks. Right. Uh, um, but let me tell you, Van Gundy for years, we have known him uh, for years. He's been supportive of not only our efforts, man, but any effort that promotes social justice and, you know, and, and, and ending uh, racial disparities and stuff like that, man. It's, he's a guy that he, he puts his money where his mouth is. He puts his time where his mouth is, you know, and he always, he shows up, man, in, in just so many different ways. And, and, and so I look at him as a beacon of hope because, you know, he's a good emissary, man, that, that shows, man, that, listen, that we can crawl, we can come together uh, along racial lines and, and, and actually, be effective and move something and accomplish, accomplish uh, some things and, and move issues that people would thought was impossible. Van Gundy was in from, from almost the very beginning with Amendment 4, you know, when other experts thought that Amendment 4 was a waste of time or whatever, Van Gundy was like, no, nah, I'm with this. Is this the right thing to do? And, 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 and he showed up and whenever we called, he was there, you know? And so there's mad props to uh, uh, coach Van Gundy because I think he he gets it, man. He gets it, and 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 what I love the most about it, uh, in that aspect, is the fact that even he gets it with the understanding that he doesn't know everything, right? Mm -hmm. And he knows his role. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I guess as a coach, you you I guess you should do that, right? Because you know, listen, you you know, you you can't have the shooting guy trying to be, you know work outside their lane, yes, that's going to mess the whole team up. Everybody got to know their role on the team. And if I guess because he coaches that so much, he knows his role and even in the advocacy world. He knows the lane that he's supposed to be in, and he's very clear with that, and he shows up in a powerful way. And our last one I got for you, Steve Clifford, on, on that on coaching athletes part, because I know I asked him questions about you before doing pre pregame conferences. He talked about how you talked to the team about the issues and the guys reach, reach out to you and he reaches out to you. Tell us about your relationship with Coach Clifford and your, and your Orlando Magic, how you all work together as well. Yeah, so the, big, the so I got one complaint against Coach Clifford. He didn't have me come back enough, right? Because it, he, I don't know if he told you. The one time he had me speak uh, – it was before – it was the game that they won in the playoff, right? And he was supposed to bring me back. I said, listen, you don't break the trend, man. You know, you know I'm a little superstitious. Let me come back and talk to the guys. We win more games, right? But, nah, let me tell you, seriously, Coach uh, Clifford, man, when you – the one thing I, I – when I, when, I, when, I, when I think of him, when, his, when I hear his name, I see his face, you know, the, the, the word that pops out to me more than anything else is love. 
Man, that dude got some genuine love for folks, man. He don't care about the color of your skin, your political preference, none of that. He just loves people, man. And then he got a, 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 a extra weak spot for the kids. You know, um, I I just see so much compassion and 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 empathy and love that that just pours out of this this brother, man. And and I call you white, but I call him a brother, man, because you remember, just because you my color don't make you my kind, right? Exactly. And and, and that's that's a real brother, man. I'm telling you, he um I gotta give a man props. I don't know what he did in his past life or, or or prior to meeting him, but what I know is that from the time the first moment that I met him, he had a love for the community, and it was because of him that we have uh, formed a, 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 a strong bond with Orlando Magic here in Florida. Uh, and, and, you know, and he was very clear from the start. I don't want to engage in some superficial stuff. I want to get down and deep into the issues that are impacting uh, uh, the communities. And I want to be, uh, 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 I want to be an ally. I, I want to be an ally to the folks, uh, uh, to the organizations that don't get the attention, but they're doing the work. You know what I'm saying? And, and I want to be able to, to try to support that any way I can. And he, he's, um, that's the type of man that he's always showed me that he is. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative of him. I mean, my whole family loves him, but between, I'm telling you, there, there's, there, there's this competition between, uh, coach Van Gundy and coach Clifford because the family crazy about all of them. And so we're trying to figure who, who gets most props, man. And right now they, they, they neck and neck, man. You get there, right? You know what I'll tell you. I'll be. I'll tell you honestly. As a kid, you know, I was grew up here with the Hawks. I was a Magic fan. I loved Shaq and Penny Hardaway when I was a kid. So, so because the Hawks wasn't as good as they were now. So back when I was <laughs> younger, I was cheering for Shaq and Penny Hardaway. So I, I have some Magic gear in my old closet. I have a match some Magic gear still to this day. Really. Well, wow, we, we, we actually, I got some magic shirts now. Um, and one of the things that they partnered up with us real quick on was uh, you, how do we use uh, um, ball players to get people more engaged around voting and get them to be more excited about it? And we came up with this slogan, get off the bench and get in the game, right? Vote, you know, that, that at the end of the, and matter of fact, you've seen this stuff play out even right now in the playoffs. We, and I talked to them about it you know, about when the Heat was winning their championships that, you know, you got you got your superstars on the squad. You know, you got them. But guess what? Uh, one thing we know that that they could either get in foul trouble, that they could uh, uh, um, get tired, right? Or uh, they can get hurt. But at some point, these superstars are going to come out of the game. And when they come out, the bench got to come in and the bench got to at least maintain status quo or you know what I'm saying, but you don't want the weed the, the lead to widen when the bench is in the game, right? And so if the bench could just maintain the lead or at least or even maintain the deficit and give the starters time to come back in there and then try to make a final run and take them over the top, that's good. Now if the bench could even lessen the deficit, right, or expand the lead, that's even better. Even better. The team that goes like the furthest is the ones whose bench can step up in crunch time and deliver. And the whole thing was, was that in this game of life, right, there's two groups of people that's getting in the game no matter what, right? And they're going to be returning citizens, right? Because 95% of people who are locked up, they get released back into our community. And then our young folks, right? As they're coming up out of high school, they're getting in the game whether we like it or not. And so if we want to win that championship, we got to make sure that our players that's coming off the bench are prepared to be successful as possible, right? And so that's that was part of the, the thing behind get off the bench and get in the game, right? That you just can't sit on the sideline and complain oh, no. about what's going on. You may know you got to go ahead and get in this game, right? And we want to fight to make sure that when, you get, that when you're trying to get in the game that you're prepared as possible so you can do your thing. And that bench is going to be key. Let me ask you about this, Mr. Mead. I'm fighting against the FDC about the ban on on mail coming to the jails. I feel like the, the, the inmates need that from their families and friends to give them hope. Uh, that's the way to the outside world. You're going to ban physical, physical, physical mail? I don't understand why they would do that if the FDC there. It, it, you know, let me tell you, it, it's already been proven, 
right? Um, that the that if there's a, a bond between a person who is incarcerated and their family on the outside, that leads to successful reintegration and of course reduced recidivism. You know, one of the things I got a partner of mine, Marcus Bullock, based out of DC. He he started this company called Flick Shop. Flick Shop. And Flick Shop, what it does, it, it's like the Instagram of, for prisons. And it allows family members to take like selfies and have them delivered to their, their loved ones as postcards, right? Part of that process was the experience that he had when he went into prison as a juvenile. And the only thing that kept him there or the main thing that kept uh, helped him to survive was the fact that his mother made a, a, a commitment to write him. I'm thinking like every week or every day, right? And so to be able to have that connection and research has showed this. And so for FTC or any other entity to engage in the practice of trying to reduce that, it it, it runs in, 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 in contradict, it contradicts what they're, if you're about safety, right? And if you're about successful rehabilitation, successful re, reentry, if you're about that, then you should not be engaging in things that would increase the likelihood of a person commit more crime and not being able to successfully reintegrate back into the community. So that right there, you know, I, to me personally, I would just look at the money. I follow the money trail because anytime I see things that don't make sense, mm -hmm. right? If there's not a political angle to it, there's a financial angle to it, Right. And so you just follow the money, just follow the money. And, and, and you know why folks are doing what they're doing. I got two more for you. Um, how are you, you all going to go about trying to transform this parole and probation system? Because uh, I feel like it's set up against us. If you make one slight error, you back, yeah, in, you so, back inside. <laughs> man, you hitting all of the topics, man. And so one of the things that Florida Rights Restoration Coalition Man, we got some key partnerships, right? You know, you already talked about the Players Coalition. You already talked about more than a vote, but we also got a partnership with Reform Alliance, right? And Reform Alliance is the uh, organization that uh, was pretty much uh, spearheaded by the Meek Mill incident, right? Where Meek Mill was on probation forever in a day, and then Jay Z and uh, Robert Kraft and a few other folks, Mike Novogratz with Galaxy Gives. Uh, they all came together and said, no, we're going to do something about it. We're going to address this thing about parole. And so they've been um, on the, on a much broader national scale. They've been really leading uh, uh, leading those efforts. And we've been um, partnering with them on that because and in, in, in some of the things that we're doing now, we have this campaign called Give Life Back, right? Coming out of Reform Alliance. And and it, it's, it's highlighting the fact that people were being violated for doing some natural things that everybody else would do, right? Uh, uh, um, you getting violated for going to work. You know what I'm saying? You getting violated one person uh, because of a hurricane. Uh, their house was destroyed. They had to move to another house because they didn't get permission. They got violated, right? Um, got violated for going to get prescription medicine. Uh, their daughter was sick and they had to, to go get some medicine. Oh, you left the house. Uh, after hours, after curfew. Man, my daughter was sick, but that doesn't matter. You violated, right? And so there's so many stories that exposes the flaws uh, of, of this probation system. And, 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 and we're working hard to try to, to, to number one, raise awareness, right? Because it, it, it's very important, trust me. Because here's the deal. Um, let me back up for a second. You know, when, when you've seen the, 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 the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right, when the United States dropped the atomic bomb on these two Japanese cities, um, one of the key things was that they, before they did that, they had to engage in a propaganda campaign that painted the Japanese people as dangerous, scary, right, people that was a threat to the American people. And they did it in such a way that, that was so powerful that when the United States dropped the bomb, they killed hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands of innocent women and children and men. Rather than they be outraged, there was a celebration. Just think about that. That people were actually celebrating the murder of innocent women and children 
right? But that's the power of a narrative. And that narrative that says that we were dangerous and, and violent and all kinds of stuff, right? And, 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 and it give us these labels that we're felons and convicts. All of those things are designed to do two things, and that is to dehumanize us, mm-hmm. right? And to desensitize that person towards our plight. And so you're not concerned about how people are getting treated in prison because those are dangerous criminals anyhow. They deserve, they don't deserve anything. I mean, there was a time when people said, why the hell do they have TVs there? They shouldn't even have a TV. Shoot, I can't afford cable. Why should they watch TV, right? They're criminals. And, 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 and that attitude created an environment where, like we know, we talk about this George Floyd and all this, and this stuff is happening years and years and years and years and years ago. Exactly. Right? But if a person with a record is saying that the police is doing something wrong, who's going to believe the person with a record? Because you're a criminal. You're not worthy of being trusted and all this kind of stuff, right? And even, even the, the NAACP and the ACLU, they weren't trying to take up our cases because we weren't the perfect victim. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and let's just be real. So this oh, stuff yes. has been in our community growing and growing. Probation, all, all this is tough on crime, no strikes, uh, three strikes, you're out, uh, no child left behind. All of that stuff comes out of this narrative. And, and, and we've seen it reinforced in the 94 crime bill that created a lot of these policies that did nothing but destroy our communities and tear our families apart. And guess what? Society was no less safer, right? Correct. And so part of this process is how are we rolling back that narrative, right? Because before I can get you to put pressure on a a senator or elected official to revise probation policies, I first got to have you understand that the people that are suffering are worthy to be treated humanely, right? Right. The people that are impacted by that Right, deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. And their families, who also bear the impact of that, deserves better than that. Right. And so when I get you to that point, when I get you to not look at me as a no good person that you know you don't care what, what matters to them, and see me as, wow, you know, Desmond, that's time 100. You know what I'm saying? That well, he went from a crackhead and homeless and and, and 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 having all these convictions to being one of the one hundred most influential people in the world. So he can he can do something positive. He do have something yes. to give, right? So understanding that those people that are incarcerated are human beings that have the potential to be contributing members of our community, and they have something to offer not only for their, our communities but their families can now make me want to say, okay, you know what? That stuff right there, it don't make no sense. It ain't right. Let's change it. Yes, and the last one I got for you, this is kind of personal for you as well. The Florida process for clemency. And uh, I know you went, went, went before that board last year and <laughs> it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And that's a new process in Florida. Tell us about that. And I also saw you partnering with the Biden administration about trying to have on the federal level getting a pardon, a pardon basis there for those guys as well, on a, a pardon for the, on, on that level. So talk about all those things, Mr. Mead, that Felicia was out here in Georgia and beyond. Boss, man, I'm so I, – I, 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 I'm, the more I'm impressed, but uh, slightly hurt, right, that you did that research you got all this intel on me, right? So I'm waiting for you to ask me about my book. That, oh, that was, that I, I, I was going to do that as a bonus, too. I was looking yeah, at the oh, time, but I got you in the book, too. Yeah, but um, no, uh, uh, seriously, um, uh, the, one of the reasons why we did start the Amendment camp, uh, 4 campaign was because the, we knew that the clemency system was flawed, right? It was flawed. Um, you had four politicians that decided which American citizen get the vote and which don't get the vote, and they didn't even have a, a criteria. There was no set standard. So the decisions was pure arbitrary, right? And we've seen the abuses of it, right? In, in, in one case, you would see in four years, 
uh, over 155,000 people were able to get their rights restored. And then the next governor comes in and in eight years, less than 5,000 people were able to get their rights restored. And you see cases where African-American man or woman that's done amazing work or whatever, turned their lives around, went and said, governor, would you give me my rights? And the governor said, denied. Matter of fact, before he said denied, he said, oh my God, you did an amazing job turning your life around. Very proud of you. Denied, right? And then you'll see uh, 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 immediately after that, a white person would come up and didn't do nothing but say, Governor, if I had my rights, I'll vote for you. Uh, granted, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then they write, get, what kind of stuff is that, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, full politicians should not have that much power to determine who get the vote and who don't get the vote. This same scenario played out when I went to, uh, up here before the clemency board to get a pardon, right? And the thing about pardon or clemencies is that it's based on what you've done after you have committed your crime, right? What have you done after you have served your time, paid your debt back to society? Well, bro, I, I mean, my record speak for itself. I, you know, I, my work was so impactful that I was named Floridian of the Year, Central Floridian of the Year. And then Time Magazine said I was one of the 100 most influential people in the world and had everybody from Jesus Christ all the way to Michael Jackson writing me a letter of recommendation. So it's all there, yet I still get denied, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it ain't, you know, right there tells you it's not about what you've done, right? It, it, it's about something else, if anything at all. But, you know, so it was, it was very um, disappointing because if me who've done all these things, can't even get, a, not even locked down for a pardon. What it says about the average guy who, exactly. you know, he did his time, he served his time, and he moved on with his life, you know, probably started his own company or whatever, provided for his family, being an amazing dad, amazing community member, and he can't get his rights restored or he can't, you know what I'm saying, get a pardon? You know, and so it, it is, um, it is an extremely flawed system uh, and then even on the federal level, it is, it, it, it is, it's a mess. It's a mess. You know, at the end of the day, it's too, too, too doggone complicated. And so I'm hoping that um, we could do some work with, with the Biden administration to, to uh, 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 revise that, you know, and create a more streamlined process uh, and a more fair process that would allow people to get some form of clemency uh, um, uh, from, from, from the president uh, in the years to come. And last, that's the truest last one, the bonuses. A ask us, tell us people how to get into your book and let my people vote. And what inspired you to write this book? And uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's very powerful. So people should get let the book. Let my people vote. Yes. Let my people vote. All you got to do is Google it, Amazon.com, or you can go to DesmondMead.com, DesmondMead.com. Uh, uh, to order my book and it's an audio version as well and it's my voice you're going to hear it's not going to be any robot or some strange man or, or woman reading my book it's going to be me my wife made me do it <laughs> but um, you know I, I wrote it for the same reason I, 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 had, um, I, I had fussed that time magazine folks right because that, that year that I made the list they had the rock on the cover wow right and I was like, how the hell y'all gonna have a rock on the cover of this, right? I mean, y'all should have had me on the cover, right? And, and, and the reason why I said that, right, because here's the thing, right? I, and, and this is what this book is, or one of the purposes of this book, is to let folks know, man, that you don't have to be a movie star or an athlete or a billionaire to have an impact in your community, your country, or even the world. Yes. Right? That, man, look at that guy, Desmond. He was a crackhead. He was homeless. He had a, a rap sheet a mile long. If this guy who was standing in front of railroad tracks in 2005 waiting on a train to come so he could jump in front of it, if this guy there, if he could turn his life around and influence the world, then what does that say that I can do? And people need to know that in spite of the obstacles that they may be facing in life, in spite of the things that they may have done in the past that may have caused them shame or disappointment, in spite of all of that, right, that there is a pathway 
to take all of that stuff and do a Lauren Hill and turn a negative into a positive and be an impact in your community, in this country, in the world. And they, and they have real life proof that that can happen. And that's what this book is about, right? Showing people that no matter where you are in life right now, you know what I'm saying? That you can make a difference. You can be something real special. Yes, sir. Mr. Me, it's been an honor to talk to you. I've been a fan of yours from afar. Happy to make this happen. When I come down to Florida the, the, this summer here, the, hang out make sure we connect I, I can come see you because i come to tampa orlando miami and my guy friend in mariana close to at, at chipola so i i make all my rounds from the panhandle all the way down to miami i make my rounds when i come down to florida well you know what hey please hit me up when you do and then i hit you up when i come to atlanta because i know it's amazing organizations in atlanta that's led by returning citizens man and hey, listen i'm excited to, to 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 really link up with folks in atlanta and keep on building, man. You know, uh, we got some success in the runoff, but you don't stop now. You got to keep keep grinding. Yes, sir. Because, trust me. I tell folks this, right? I remember when people were like, why should I vote? Or, or, or why you think my vote is important? I said, listen, you might not realize how important your vote is, but let me tell you this. If it wasn't valuable, there wouldn't be so many people trying so hard to stop you from voting. Amen. That in itself will tell you that. And so you've seen the response. What we've seen right, with the voter suppression laws is a direct response to the work that, so you must, y'all must have did something good, right? Yes. And so they coming at it, so that means you got to grind even harder, right? You got to grind even harder, man. You can't get, we can't get back-to-back -back titles unless we grind it. Just because we won year one, that don't mean you're going to, that's tough. You got to yeah, up your right. game, man. You got to up your game. So, hey, I'm, I'm down, I'm ready, willing, and able you know, y'all are neighbors anyhow, you know, and, and listen, you come down, we can link up. I come up, I definitely want to link up with you, other returning citizens in Georgia. Yes, sir. Especially Focus. in the ATL area. Ferg says, there's a meet here on the Boss Man Show. Check this out, bossmanshow.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.